Welcome to the Stonebridge Community Church online worship service. Today you'll hear the Word of God read, the message from this weekend's in-person service, and two songs to guide you in worship. Thanks for joining us today. Well, during this sermon series, I've been inviting people to come and help me with the reading of Scripture. So I'm going to invite up Allison Ramondi to come up now. And as Allison is making her way up here, I am going to remind us all of what this sermon series is. It's entitled Stonebridge Deli. And we're offering the Mark sandwich. You'll be able to read right there. So that'll be, that'll be your little station in a second. And we're offering what's called the Mark and Sandwich. So in the Gospel of Mark, Mark uses this literary device where what Mark does is start off with one story. See the piece of bread here? Pretty clever, huh? One story, Mark cuts it in half. Then Mark will take a second story and place it there in the middle. So you begin the one story, it'll shift abruptly to another story before you have resolution of the first story. Then it goes back to the original story. Mark does this a number of times in the gospel. I think one reason is to help with memory. By using association, it would help people's memories to remember the stories, remember the lessons. But another reason I think is that Mark uses the two stories, puts them together to show us a deeper point. There's something more that is illuminated by both of these stories coming together. So this morning, we're going to be reading from Mark chapter 11, verses 12 through 25. And I invite you to hear the word of God. Again, I'll read one portion. I'll read one story. Allison will read another. So you can see where the two stories pick up. So hear the word of God. On the following day, When they came from Bethany, Jesus was hungry. Seeing in the distance a fig tree and leaf, he went to see whether perhaps he would find anything on it. When he came to it, he found nothing but leaves, for it was not the season for figs. He said to it, May no one ever eat fruit from you again. And his disciples heard it. Jesus cleanses the temple. Then they came to Jerusalem, and he entered the temple and began to drive out those who were selling and those who were buying in the temple. And he overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold doves. And he would not allow anyone to carry anything through the temple. He was teaching and saying, Is it not written, My house shall be called a house of prayer for all the nations, but you have made it a den of robbers. And when the chief priests and the scribes heard it, they kept looking for a way to kill him, for they were afraid of him, because the whole crowd was spellbound by his teaching. And when evening came, Jesus and his disciples went out of the city. In the morning as they passed by, they saw the fig tree withered away to its roots. Then Peter remembered and said to him, Rabbi, look, the fig tree that you cursed has withered. Jesus answered them, have faith in God. Truly I tell you, if you say to this mountain, be taken up and thrown into the sea. And if you do not doubt in your heart, but believe that what you say will come to pass, it will be done for you. So I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. Whenever you stand praying... Forgive if you have anything against anyone so that your Father in heaven may also forgive you your trespasses. Thank you, Allison. I invite you now to please join me in prayer. Lord, as we turn to your scriptures now, we ask that you would speak to us. 
We ask that you would guide us through these two stories. Help us to understand what Mark was trying to teach with this, but more importantly, what your Holy Spirit was trying to teach by inspiring Mark to write in this way, to structure the gospel in this way, to structure these stories in this way, Lord. Speak to us now through your scriptures. Help us to understand how we might follow you, how we might have faith in you. Help us to understand what this means for us now. We thank you. It's the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen. So this passage that Allison and I just read, if you want to look at an example of a Markin sandwich, I think this is probably the best example. Whenever I've tried to explain this to people, this is the passage that I turn to for a couple of reasons. One is the stories are shorter than some of the other ones we've read. So it's just easier to understand that and to see where one picks up and one, uh, the other one picks up. But the second reason is that one of these stories, it doesn't really make sense or at least fit on its own. It's that first story, Jesus with the fig tree. This is grumpy Jesus. This is kind of mean-spirited Jesus. I mean, the story tells us Jesus is hungry. He wants to eat. He walks over to this fig tree and it doesn't have the food he wants. So Jesus starts doing what I do when I'm hungry, which is cursing things. <laughs> it doesn't really fit Jesus's character. He curses this tree and then we're told that the curse works. His disciples are amazed because the tree is withered up. He says, may you never bear fruit again. And then the tree is dead just a day later. This is mean-spirited, grumpy Jesus, and it doesn't really fit with the picture of Jesus we have elsewhere. It also feels a little like, really? This is what you're going to use your curse on? It's just a fig tree. Leave it alone. Why is he picking on a tree? So this first story on its own, it's a little odd. It's a little bizarre. But that's where with the second story, I think it starts to make more sense when you combine them together. The second story is Jesus clearing the temple. It usually gets taught on its own, but in the gospel of Mark, the story of Jesus clearing the temple does not stand on its own. It's very clearly part of this story with the fig tree. The temple though, it's one of those things that is there in the background of scripture. Most of the books of the Bible in some way refer back to the temple. The temple is a part of it. And yet we so rarely talk about the temple and its importance. The temple was this building in Jerusalem. And if you were a follower of God, when the temple was up, when it was raised, when it had been built, then the temple was the center of the world to you. Because the temple was where God resided. I think I have some pictures of what the temple looks like there. You can see that one, kind of the big picture view of it. And you can see those small little houses and realize in, the ancient, realize in the ancient world, this was massive in size. It was meant to be the center of the world. And there was a section in there, the Holy of Holies, where God's presence would reside. And this goes all the way back to even before the temple. The architecture for the temple, it actually comes from the tabernacle, which was a tent that Israel would set up as they were in the desert after they'd left Egypt. The whole point of the temple, the whole point of the tabernacle, the whole point of all of this was that God would be able to live with people. A holy God cannot live with an unholy people. 
with direct contact. That just can't happen. So the temple was built to put all of these protections around the people so that they could experience the presence of God in a safe way. And then they set up the sacrificial system so that people could participate in this process. They did these sacrifices so that God would remain there with them. What's fascinating about the temple, though, and the sacrificial system is that everyone was supposed to be able to be involved in it. Everyone was supposed to be able to participate in the sacrifices. In fact, if you go back and you read the book of Leviticus closely, you'll see that all of these instructions for sacrifices are laid out. And every single time, there's always an allowance for doves and pigeons. Because people who were poor couldn't afford to sacrifice a lamb or a goat. They didn't have a lamb or a goat to sacrifice. They couldn't purchase a lamb or a goat to sacrifice. This was something of value. And if you were poor, you didn't have that. So God, to Moses, gave all these instructions for how people who didn't have means, how poorer people would be able to participate in the temple. The point of the temple was that people would be able to connect with God and be invited into that which sets the stage for why Jesus is so upset when he enters into the temple, why he's overturning the tables, why he's throwing the chairs of the money changers. It says those who are selling the doves are the pigeons. Somewhere along the line with the temple, people had realized they could make a profit off of this. They started raising the prices on doves and pigeons. It became harder for people to participate and be connected with God. It started to exclude the people that God had wanted to include in the temple process. Somewhere along the line, people thought, we can benefit from this, we can make money off of this, and they put a barrier towards people's connection with God. That's why Jesus is so upset with the temple. That's why he goes in and he clears it. So when you put these two stories together, you realize the temple is the fig tree. That's what Mark is doing here. He's showing the depth of Jesus's judgment on the temple. He's showing the depth, the frustration, how deep it goes for Jesus and for God with what the temple has become. The original purpose of the temple was to include people, to help people have a connection with God. It had lost its way, so Jesus pronounces a curse on the temple itself, and he takes the place of the temple as the connecting point of God. That's what's going on there with that story. The fig tree is the temple. The temple is the fig tree. They're one and the same in this. And it should be a bit of a challenge, I think, for us. I think one of the lessons we learn from here is, first and foremost, God cares about people. That was the point of the temple. God cares about being connected with actual human beings. God cares much less about our ideas of how people should be than about actual human beings. And when God places someone in your life, when God brings someone to you, your call as a Christian is to first and foremost care genuinely about that person. That's the first step 
that we take. The Apostle Paul uses language in his letters about how the church is the temple. The church is meant to be a point of connection with God. And churches who have lost that truth, who have started to exclude people for their own benefit or for whatever reason, have started to make it harder for people to be connected with God. Well, that's a church that has lost its way. That's an institution that has lost its way. God cares about people. Genuinely, the person in front of you that God has brought into your life, God cares about that person, and your call is to do so also, and our call as a church is to do so also. I think that's the first lesson here. The temple as an institution, it lost its way. It forgot about the people God cared about. But there's another piece of this passage that I think is a bit curious. If you noticed, Peter says, Rabbi, look, the fig tree that you cursed, it's withered away. And Jesus starts talking about faith. He starts talking about moving mountains and and faith. It's a pretty abrupt transition there. It's a little like, well, Jesus, you just cursed a tree. Can we talk about that? But he's talking about faith. I think in order to understand what is happening here and the way Mark has structured Jesus' words, you have to understand a bit about the history. By the time the gospel of Mark was written, the temple had been destroyed. It probably would have only been a couple of years earlier. And it's hard for us to overstate the importance of the temple. It was the center of the world. It was the center of everything for the people of God. The temple was where God lived. For it to be destroyed, it's hard for us to understand just how uncomforting, how unstabilizing that would be. I don't know if those are words, by the way, uncomforting. You know what I mean, though. It's hard for us to understand that. I think the best way that I could translate this is to think back to September 11th. And that feeling you felt when you first heard about the attacks on the World Trade Center. How destabilizing that felt. How it felt like everything was up in the world. But then, imagine that you are not part of the greatest nation in the history of the world. Imagine that you're a tiny little country and all you had was the World Trade Center towers. That was your symbol. That was what pulled you together. And then imagine that it's not just a cultural symbol It's a religious one too. That not just is your society surrounded around it, your very faith, your understanding of the world is is surrounding it, is based upon it. And it was destroyed. The people who would have first read the gospel of Mark would have been reading it with that type of a background. So keep that in mind and then realize as Jesus is talking about the temple, talking about it having a curse on it, he says, have faith in God. Don't have faith in the temple. Your faith was never supposed to be in the temple. Have faith in God and see what God is going to do in your life. He's redirecting faith. Jesus himself is the object of faith. God is the object of faith, not the temple. And I think for us, we all want to have deeper faith in God, but we all have other things that we place our faith in without even realizing it. 
I mean, think back to those moments when you feel most insecure, when you feel most uncertain, what is it that you draw on? For some of us, it may be God. But at other times, I think if we're honest, it's any number of other things. I think some of us, when we feel anxious, we draw on our politics or our political party, thinking that they're going to fix problems if we just vote the right party in. But every single political party fails. Every single political party ends. No political party has every correct answer. And if you place your faith in there, it will fail you. Some of us place our faith in the idea of our nation. And you can love your nation, but the truth is every single human nation will fail also. Nations rise and fall as the old saying goes. If you place your faith in your nation, in your country, it will fail you too someday. We place our faith in the economy. When things start getting tough, we start saying the economy will rebound. The market will rebound. But every economy fails eventually also. Just as the temple failed. And let me tell you, for the people who were first reading the gospel of Mark, the temple failing, the temple being destroyed was much more shocking to them than any of those things failing that I just mentioned would be to us. And in the midst of that, Jesus says, have faith in God. Put your faith in God. And then you will see amazing things happening. May our faith truly be in Jesus and Jesus alone. May all those other things in our lives that can be helpful, can be good, can be important, may they not replace Jesus as the center of our faith. May we be trusting that Jesus is the one who will address the problems in this world. May we be laying our faith at Jesus' feet not in anything else. That's, I think, the challenge here as Mark is tying together this fig tree and the temple. Where is your faith placed? Please pray with me. Lord, challenge us with this story. Lord, challenge us so that our faith is placed in you and you alone. Help us to rest in you. Help us to set everything else aside, let everything else be secondary, but to have our faith rooted in you. And in the midst of that, Lord, help us to care about the people that you care most about. Even if it doesn't make sense to us at first, even if it makes us uncomfortable, Lord, even if it's people that we disagree with, even if it's people that we think are wrong, help us to care about them genuinely. Help us to show our faith in you by doing so.
Where streams of grace flow deep. 